Welcome back. We're so glad you could join us forever and ever and uh, or at least for part two of our fashion episode. If you didn't catch all the hot action in part one, there's a lot of fire in part one. Check that out now. If you've already listened to part one and have steeled yourself for all the blood, guts, gore, and maybe some rocking back and forth in a fetal position that's coming up next, we are pleased to present you with part two. Now. Death party! While the structure of garments can add stress to the body, as in the example of overstarched collars, or act like a fiery circus hoop of death, as in the example of crinolines, I like how many times we are referencing the circus. They can also be composed of materials that are hazardous to the wearer's health. Again, as in the example of crinolines. Right. If you learn nothing else from this, just be real careful when you wear a crinoline. Just know that everything can kill you. Those things especially are just little, little death traps. So I think it's safe to say that it's common knowledge these days that asbestos is bad for one's health. Sure. However, asbestos as a material for use in fabric has been in existence since the ancient Greeks and Romans were struck by its mystical fire-resistant properties. <laughs> not, not spooky. Oh. Just mist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. All right. This wonder material popped up a few more times throughout the years before being extracted from mines during the Industrial Revolution. And we all know how the Industrial Revolution worked out for workers and other blue-collar people. They got jobs. They, they got themselves some jobs, some great health care, and everyone was real happy and healthy and well-fed. <laughs> Until uh, they died, like, four months later. <laughs> yeah, but that's fodder for another episode. <laughs> you may be wondering, and who worked these mines to extract this precious and highly toxic material? I was wondering... Well, men, of course. Of course. But also thousands of women and children. What? That's a terrible idea. Right? Children are tiny. They can't carry very much at all. Oh. And they complain a ton. Uh, yeah. That's kind of not where I thought you were going with that. Oh. But technically accurate? Right. So, in addition to mining duties... They also spun the raw asbestos fibers into cloth. This meant the fibers ended up being inhaled, which led to scarred lung tissue, uh. chronic shortness of breath, increased cancer risk, and, of course, the reason for the season, death, death, death. You're going to hear the door slam in a minute here, and that will be my lungs exiting the building. I can feel them curling up into little balls as you speak. Is it because all the asbestos fibers are just whipping around in there? And yes. Clinging to your porous, delicious lungs. You. It's visceral. That's how I roll. Before I was just full of sandwiches, and that was fine, and now it's asbestos, and I need a minute. If death by asbestos sounds like an old-timey way to meet the reaper, 
You might be surprised to know that a woman's 2012 death was attributed to washing her husband's asbestos-covered overalls decades prior. Cause of death? Mesothelioma. Sadly, the only surprising thing about that is that someone is still doing their laundry by hand in 2012. The way that corporations put profits over human life is still sadly in fashion. Yeah, well, I, I think that the way that it was worded decades prior was like she had probably been watching her husband's overalls in the 60s or whatever. Mm. And then she stopped. But it took, it took that long to catch up with her. Okay. But I'm not entirely sure because I, um, I didn't find any more information on that woman in particular. Hmm. I mean, chances are there's been a lot of asbestos-related deaths in recent years. Yeah. Because the world is amazing. It's a great place. We should all enjoy every day that we have in it. <laughs> Soak up those minutes while you got them, folks. <laughs> You should just make the absolute most of your life because it's the best thing that's ever going to happen to you. Eat dessert first. Mm-mm. Eat it with a tablespoon. <laughs> Forget that teaspoon bullshit. I mean, I guess if the options are burned to death because your skirt is big enough to hold a picnic on or lung cancer because you're tired of burning to death, maybe the cancer. Though, I mean, can they just wear pants? Maybe. You cannot. <laughs> Not in the Victorian era, you can't. Nah. That'll be the death of your social life. Oh. On the topic of burning to death, Victorians had so much fun combining chemicals and seeing what would happen. It's amazing there were any left. Mm. Not chemicals. Victorians. Oh, yeah. If it wasn't getting their entire zip code of a skirt caught in the fireplace or dancing too close to a candle at the theater, entire theaters were known to burn down after the ballerina's organza dresses lit up oh. one by one in a cascade of fiery puffs. No. Yeah, so by 1859, they had an official order to use dresses that were less flammable, but they weren't as pretty, so sometimes they just didn't. Uh, yeah, I, I do see the logic there. That pans out. Yeah. There was a really famous ballerina, and she went up like a torch. Oh. Uh, but if it wasn't their clothing catching fire, then often it was the combs that women would put into their hair. After Alexander Parks invented a new celluloid substitute for tortoiseshell and ivory that was so volatile that it would burst into flames near any heat source. Ooh, seems like a bad invention. Right? On the upside, if you were really careful and you stayed away from open flames, your hair comb might kill you by exploding out of nowhere anyway. Damn! Yeah. No! Undeterred by how hot women's hairstyles had become, an inventor named John Wesley Hyatt bought the patent for this explosive ivory substitute to use in the manufacture of billiard balls because there was this big reward for somebody that could figure out how to use something that wasn't ivory. Hmm. Which is expensive and hard to find. Right. They were nervous that they were going to wipe out the elephants, which is, you know, their heart was in the right place. Sure. So, because what better use for a compound that spontaneously explodes when impacted? Oh. Pardon oh. my breaking from the fashion topic for a moment. Ugh. Get it? Oof. Breaking. Oof. Billiards. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Never mind. <laughs> 
But reports of deaths from this use were fewer. However, many men were almost shot to death when the balls would explode in pool halls and everyone would pull out their gun ready to return fire on whoever had fired off a shot. Oh. So. Awkward. Right? Damn. Okay, I mean, on the plus side, it's like, well, women weren't the only ones who had to worry about I know. Putting trust <laughs> exploding into flames. <laughs> oh, man. If there's anything that's going to kill me, it's totally going to be life. <laughs> Life's a killer. Just. Hmm. Um, should we tie that in somehow to the while we're on the subject of chemicals and garments? I think we just did. Oh. <laughs> All righty then. While we're on the subject of chemicals and garments, it's worth noting that plenty of chemicals are still used in modern times. Is it because we're so good at sciencing that we're only using the friendliest, helpfulest, nicest chemicals? Yeah! No. Oh. No, it's not. So go ahead and ruminate on how many things we knowingly use in our everyday lives that can be lethal with, say, overexposure, looking at you tanning beds, or improper use. Don't even get me started on electric knives. What? Wrinkle-free garments or dry-cleaned clothes processed by a conventional dry cleaner Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. contribute to air and water pollution, which contributes to death, death, death. Just keep going. The (laughs) dry-cleaning solvent... (laughs) Perchlorethylene, shortened to PERC, is linked to breast cancer, liver and kidney damage, and can rub off your skin if you wear clothes that have been cleaned with it. Rub off on your skin. What did I say? Rub off your skin. And can rub your skin just sloughs off. It's (laughs) disgusting. You're just walking around, waiting in line to check out at CVS, and it's just like... Just a puddle of it on the floor. All of your skin just slides off in one sheet. Damn it. <laughs> oh. And you thought that dry cleaning bill was bad. Wait till you see your doctor. Perk is a much higher risk to the dry cleaner themselves, as consistent exposure gives the chemical time to accumulate. Mental note. While we're on the subject of cleaning your clothes, unwashed secondhand clothes, i.e. from thrift stores, my fave, could mean exposure to scabies, tuberculosis, radioactivity, ringworm, or possibly worst of all, skin infections where your skin just sloughs off. It's kind of like STD transmission, but instead of no glove, no love, it's more like no wash, put the kibosh, (laughs) (laughs) or something. Good try. (laughs) Moving on. <clears throat> no wash, your skin will slosh Lush. onto the floor. <laughs> In skin marks. <laughs> Ew! <laughs> I didn't even think this one was going to be that gross, but... We didn't even talk about lead and face makeup. We didn't talk about the radium stuff. A whole other episode for makeup. This is the intro episode for the new and unsure listener... Who's like, maybe I want to try this one out. (laughs) This is us toning it down. Not to just keep bringing it back to the Victorian era. Well, I guess it was 
probably before and after as well, but this one is just straight bonkers. They were really into chemicals and they were creating all kinds of new things and radium was new on the scene and people would just put it in all kinds of things, particularly on their watch faces because it was dim. It was lit by candlelight or gaslight and it was hard to see. So having a fancy watch that glowed in the dark made it easy to tell time and it was fashionable and new. Oh yeah, I want one of those. Right? Sounds great. But the women working in watch factories were told it was harmless. So Ooh. they didn't wear protective gear at all. Yeah, I have a feeling it wasn't harmless. Right. They were also encouraged to put their paintbrushes in their mouths to fine-tune the tip of the brush. And they would eat the effing radium in the process. Ooh. I like how I'm like, can you believe that sh like, I didn't do exactly the same thing with my paintbrushes until a couple years ago when I realized I'm sensitive to latex. How do they taste, though? Um, gross. But I was lazy and I didn't want to get up and go to the sink to rinse them out. They were mm. really tiny paintbrushes mm -hmm. <laughs> for the record. I wasn't, like, shoving an entire, yeah like, furniture paintbrush in my mouth. But I mean, it'll... every trip to the sink means risking tripping over your crinoline, so right. why would you even... And if you're in a hurry, like, your paint's going to dry, and then you can't blend it right. So it was just, you know, it was like here and there. Ugh. And it wasn't radium. What a travesty. So. Who seriously. could be bothered? <laughs> <laughs> My time is precious. Precious. Let me poison myself with paint. Make it count. Right. Flashing forward 20 years from now, we find out old age is just from ingesting acrylic paint. No. Oh. I see you next week, and I'm like, 90 years old. Ugh. My hair's all gray. Even though I keep dying at turquoise, it just immediately turns gray again because I keep eating paint. Mm. But these factory women also painted it in their hair and on their teeth when they were messing around with each other. They would chase each other around the factory with like big glowing smiles oh. and dark. Like, Hijinks. It's all fun and games until you get radium poisoning and die. Yeah. Which, I mean, I am probably not above the hair one, to be honest. That looks so good. That would be pretty cool. Go out dancing. You're like, yeah, you see me. <laughs> but uh, the owners of the company, of course, and the scientists who formulated this stuff all knew the deadly effects. And they wore protective gear and used tongs and denied claims that it was dangerous what? until many oh. people had died from it. Weird coincidence. Right? If you want nightmares, look up Radium Jaw. But don't say I didn't warn you. I can never unsee. Uh, it's terrible. Radium Jaw. I assume it's not just like a real cute, glowy jaw. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say it is and not, not Google, don't Google it, people. Mm. Don't do it. Unless you really want to torture yourself. Unless you're gross. And if you're gross, you know you're gross, and you're fine with it, and we're fine with it, and you can Google it. It's real gross. All right, we've talked about garments that can catch fire. Right. Blow you into life-threatening danger. Yes. Suffocate you. Mm -hmm. Give you infections or cancer. Mm -hmm. What's left? Mm. How about... Killer Shoes. Ooh, that sounds like a good movie. Did they make a sequel? That sounds like an even better movie. Nobody puts killer shoes in a corner. <laughs> and then the shoes fight their way out of the corner. <laughs> it's like that killer car movie. Ah, uh, Christine. Christine. 
right? But it's just a pair of high heel shoes, like, running down the street and karate kicking people in the face. That would be terrifying. I'd be like, there's an invisible ghost sex worker, and she is pissed. <laughs> Anyone that wants to help fund our new movie, <laughs> Killer Shoes. Now soliciting investors. High-heeled footwear dates back to the 14th century. Century. So now I'm just like over analyzing everything I do. And it's a lot of fun. I love being a anxious person 1,000% of the time. Even the littlest things make me so anxious. <sighs> As I sit here covered in sweat and it's like 78 degrees in here. No, it's like 100 degrees in Oh, here. Josh, how hot is it in here? Last time it was 200 degrees, and now it's only 100. Uh, is my skin sloughing off? <laughs> Have you dry cleaned your clothes lately? <laughs> Some dry cleaners are going to write in and be like, what the f***? And we'll be like, we just saved your life, buddy. You're welcome. Join our Patreon. <laughs> Join our Patreon. Or we'll insult you some more. We, we just, just got you fired. Join our Patreon. <laughs> we just turned into humiliatrixes. <gasps> humiliatrixes? Yes. Is that a job? Because that's the job that oh, I want. Oh, I have to tell you about that sometime. Oh, my God. Yeah, for another day. Right. right now, we're being super professional and staying the f*** on topic. Right. And we're talking about when footwear, wait, kills. <laughs> when footwear kills. Platform shoes were blamed for car accidents in the 1970s and 1990s. What? A 1974 study of women who had at least two months of driving experience in platform shoes found that at 70 miles per hour, it took an extra 10 feet on average, to come to a full stop wearing even a familiar pair of platform shoes. Is this like a ladies are bad at driving well, joke? Yeah, it's actually, they specifically did the study with women, even though men were also wearing platform shoes in Ugh. the 1970s, 70s because hashtag not feminism. They would. Yeah. Dicks. When the Spice Girls came on the scene in the 90s, fans were eager to adopt the platform footwear of their singing idols. Hmm. In 1999, a 25-year-old woman in Japan was unable to break while wearing her 8-inch high boots, causing her to crash into a pole, which led to the death of her friend on the passenger side of the vehicle. Yeah. Was it her shoes? Yeah, 8-inch high boots and breaking do not mix. Wearers of shoes. If you want to put on an 8-inch boot or a 6-inch boot or whatever, some kind of platform shoe, hey, how about you throw a pair of flats in the car and those are just your driving flats? How about you just leave those shoes in the car? Maybe they got some good traction on the sole for extra grip. Yeah. Authorities equate driving in platforms to be as much of a vehicle safety threat as drinking alcohol or talking on a cell phone. What? So, in other words, uh, don't f***ing do it. That's don't be that guy. And by guy, I mean person, but in a gendered way, which I really need to phase out of my <laughs> language. Y'all. Don't be that human person wearing platforms inappropriately. Right. Yeah. Don't be that person. Foot binding. Everybody's favorite. <laughs> Let's get ready to bind some feet. 
Y'all ready for this? Breaking some toes right now and stuff. <laughs> We've mostly talked about Victorian era trends because there were quite a few of them. Because I'm obsessed. Yeah, he's a big fan. So you might have noticed a trend in these women's fashions of just securing things up real tight and suck it in, sister. Sucking it in, slimming it down, but never exercising. Never, let's not worry about exercising. Let's just put some more muslin on it and go out. Oh, that was another one actually was uh, muslin dresses were a thing for a while. Oh, right. And then you'd sprinkle some water on it before you went out so that you'd get that like, Oh, I just got out of the water and my clothes are so clingy. Can you see anything? Right. Kind of a look. And then they were trying to look like those Greek statues where the mm-hmm. cloth was all. Yeah. Yeah. Clingy and revealing to their feminine silhouettes. Right. And then they'd catch pneumonia and die. Yes. So you could say that backfired. You could say that. I could say it front fired. <laughs> that was also from an era where only royalty was allowed to wear heavy fabrics because Mm. they wanted their dresses to be really ornate and over the top and amazing and so they told all the lower class that their clothes could only weigh a certain amount Hmm. so they would wear these really thin muslin dresses and then to make them fashionable do the whole wet thing the wet look and then, yeah, get sick and die because exposure, hello. Mm-hmm. The wet look became the dead look. <sighs> Literally. Dead wet. So uh, what else wasn't I can't say it, out? yeah. So in, this, in similar fashion, you may be familiar with the practice of foot binding in China. Oh, yes. I remember reading about it in a high school book, um, The Good Earth, maybe. But... Yeah, I had to read this book in high school that dealt with foot binding, and I was just like, what? This is a thing, and people did this? Like, Ugh. voluntarily? Legend has it that foot binding was inspired by a 10th century court dancer named Yao Nyang? Yao Nyang. Let's go with that pronunciation. Who bound her feet into the shape of a new moon. That's pretty. Sounds pretty cute, but as we will find out, the execution was... Uh, a bit less cute. Emperor Li Yu was amazed by how she danced on her toes inside a six-foot golden lotus adorned with ribbons and precious stones. That sounds... I mean, you could just dance inside a six-foot golden lotus adorned with gemstones and look amazing. Yeah. Regardless of what you did to your feet. I mean, it's hard for that not to be cute unless you have, like, you know, like our engineer has hobbit feet or... Uh, from the jump, footbinding was considered erotic and eventually became a status symbol for the elite. It became the it girl trend for posh women. For families with marriageable daughters, foot size translated into its own form of currency and a means of achieving upward mobility. So currency is used pretty literally here. Uh, the most desirable bride possessed a three-inch foot. What? Which was known as what? a golden lotus. Oh, yeah. That's like... Yikes. Yeah. Dude. There was a whole lot of foot 
in that three inches. Uh. It was just crammed up in a way. Uh. Yeah, I, I won't get too much more into it than that. My but. eyes are watering. It was also respectable to have a four-inch foot. Okay. Phew. That would have been a silver lotus. But five inches or longer was dismissed as an iron lotus. Rude. And the marriage prospects for such a girl were dim indeed. Jesus. Now, unfortunately, if you were to do an internet search for Chinese foot binding. Nope. Not <laughs> doing that. The internet's going to be like, oh, hey, did you want to see some pictures? I got a bunch of pictures for you. Here's some pictures. Not at all. Yeah, it's probably wise. So I didn't search out these pictures, but they kind of assaulted my face. <laughs> and I'm imagining little feet poking through your screen and like kicking. kicking you in the cheeks. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have much of a choice but to look at some of these photos because the internet thought that I needed them in my life. And my first thought was, that is a hoof. It looks like a woman with ostrich feet. So the fact that this was somehow considered sexy is beyond comprehension. I think it, the only explanation I can think of is that it appeals to like the, the lizard part of the brain where the man is like, I have to take care of her because she, literally she can't even walk. <sighs> but apparently that was part of the appeal. Women with bound feet would have had a hell of a time physically getting away from their husbands. Aww. Less well-off families would actually wait until their daughters were older so they could still help out with farm labor, chores around the house, and so on, before they bound their feet. But bound they would be because otherwise they'd never get married and leave the house, which was, of course, not an option. Ugh. And if he ends up being a real prick, it's not like she can run away with the circus. Oh, and then she could be in the fiery crinoline hoop skirt of doom. Hey, prospects. The process of foot binding began for a girl of age five or six. <laughs> and that was for the upper classes, so it would be a little older if, you know, the girl had to still help out on the farm or whatever. <sighs> I'm not going to get into graphic detail of the process, but let's just say it was very painful. And yes, toes did need to be broken. Can we use the term smooshed, if you don't mind, terribly? Is that really better? You just smoosh the toes down? Smooshing is less terrible. <laughs> okay. The toes were smooshed. Now I'm just going to say it more times. Thank you. Fun. If you want more information, um, Amanda Foreman's Smithsonian Magazine article goes into some detail about just what one could expect from the foot binding process. Step by step. The smooshing process. The foot smooshing process. Yes. It was a two-year process. What? Yeah. And by the description of it, it had to have been very painful for most, if not every day of those two years. Uh, oh, but it builds so much character. Air quotes. Uh, aside from being painful... Foot binding could be lethal. Oh, good. The process could cause paralysis. Nice. Gangrene. Of course. Ulceration. Gross. Or death. Let's just do that. Although death was rare. Oh, really? I mean, I don't know. I don't know about you, but the next time I wear sandals, I'm going to look at my feet in a whole new light. <laughs> I'm going to wiggle those free and loose little piggies around, and I'm going to appreciate them like I never have before. I kind of want to talk about 
masks are the topic of the day mm. and a lot of people are opposed to wearing them even though there is scientific <sighs> research yeah. showing that it can help limit the spread of the virus it can keep you safe it can keep people around you safe it can keep your family safe it's like yeah but people are really averse to masks and one woman that i was speaking with said it was because when her mother was in the hospital with alzheimer's she would come in and she would have to wear a mask and her mother would get really upset and so she had this emotional dynamic with masks where she had to really work through what a mask meant to her and how she saw herself and how other people saw her. And I said, well, get a really f***ing cute mask. Like, make it an accessory. Make it beautiful. Make it yours so that you feel like it expresses part of yourself and then it's no longer something that's imposed on you and it's something that you can work with. And work it, girl. And she was work like, oh, <laughs> I think that would actually help a bit. And um, so it can go both ways with fashion. It could be your demise or it could actually keep you alive. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, crinoline skirts weren't keeping anyone alive, but true. fair point. <laughs> I read an article a while ago. And I didn't look for it again. I wish I could credit it. But it was an article about toxic masculinity is killing us. And basically, like, there are dudes who are just too much of a tough guy mm. to wear a mask. And they're like, I don't want to be seen as weak. Uh, you can probably think of a couple of dudes right now who come to mind with this description. But, yeah, I don't want to be seen as weak. I don't want it to seem like this thing has the control over me or whatever and, and like people are telling me what to do people are telling me what to do my masculinity mm -hmm. is going to be in question because i'm cowing under the harsh uh <laughs> health mandate <laughs> or whatever yeah like i can't have big government telling me what to do whatever the f reason is if you have trouble thinking about death and you have trouble drawing that one-to-one -one relationship between your actions and your inevitable demise you're probably going to be a lot less likely to want to wear a mask because you just can't face facts. Mm. So you're barefaced and the facts are coming at you anyway. <laughs> it's infuriating. Wear a mask. Yeah, <laughs> put a mask on and it's not that big of a deal. I just want to go to Goodwill and use the fitting rooms again. <laughs> I just bought three articles of clothing and two of them don't fit. Now I have to return them with Lastly, we reflect on what these trends reveal about our innate fear of dying. Hint, we'd rather dress for a party in a way that will kill us than worry about whether we should rethink our clothing choices because they could kill us. Yay, fashion! Yay. This episode's research really inspired me to look into nudist colonies. <laughs> After recording the first half of this episode, we found more information on cage crinolines, and what's really interesting and infuriating is that there is some evidence that a lot of the numbers for cage crinoline deaths are thought to have been inflated as a smear campaign by certain men of the era. Uh, well, don't when has that know. ever happened? Shocker! <sighs> I mean, don't get me wrong, a lot of ladies were catching fire as a result of wearing them, but a lot of ladies were catching fire all the time back mm. then, because clothes and fire were both stupid. But there were a lot of other reports focusing on deaths from cage crinolines, and not all of them were true. 
Hmm, historical inaccuracy. That's weird. That's something we don't ever deal with in America. Right? Uh -uh. Fake news, fake news. No politics. Okay. Yeah. Cage crinolines were lighter than the layers and layers of skirts that came before them, and partly because of this, they could be even more massive. This allowed women to take up more than their fair share of space with their skirts. It was the original manspreading, only men didn't like it because it wasn't about their balls. <laughs> yeah. Cages could also be used to conceal all manner of things, including illegitimate pregnancy gasp. Oh, that's so handy. Mm, denying onlookers the opportunity to be f***ing judgy, mm. and unsuspecting bachelors the ability to spot a loose woman. <gasps> the horror! You gotta advertise, one way or another. <laughs> You can't just go around with a sign that says, I'm a loose woman. Want to know what I'm getting out of this deal? Sadly. Some women, trying to avoid being taxed to death, also use their cage crinolines to smuggle merchandise, such as tobacco, alcohol, or even meat. What? Their skirts. What? <laughs> you heard it. Meat. <laughs> Which is why we call women's legs hams today. Oh. Do we call legs hams? I actually have a friend who was told by a total stranger on the street that she had two fine hams oh, see? in her pants. That must be where this comes from. Maybe he was a time traveler. <laughs> <laughs> and got some nice hams under that crinoline. Uh, that happened, though. One entrepreneur was caught with a whole f***ing ham hock up her skirt, <laughs> up her cage. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what? It's hard being a single mom. You just got to right? get that money. Take it where you can get it and put it up your cage. <laughs> Stick it up your cage. That's going to be my new favorite. Like, someone cuts me off in traffic, I'll be like, Stick it up your cage, buddy. <laughs> Uh, another made the papers by getting caught with 12 partridges jammed under her oh, skirt. Oh, and a, and a partridge in a pear tree? <laughs> the pear tree was sadly missing. Oh. And yet another was recorded attempting to smuggle five pounds of cigars, pounds. nine pounds of tobacco, <laughs> what? a quarter pound of tea, a woman after my own heart, and half a gallon of gin. The 15 pounds of shit. <laughs> she knew just, how to throw a party. <laughs> what? How did she... How did they keep it under there, though? I think they would tie it to the rungs oh. of the cage, and it would just hang underneath. <laughs> and there was no indication... Okay, did Sherlock Holmes get, like, invented around this time? Because he would have been like, hmm, judging by the dragging angle of your skirt and how it's basically like a foot of it is on the ground getting torn away. The trail of meat juice like a snail yeah. coming out from underneath the skirts. All the cats in town are just following <laughs> like the stray dogs. I'm just like, mm. There were actually accounts as well of animals getting trapped under the cages. Oh. There were women out in a field and like a grouse or something got startled and it ran under her dress and then she got startled and she fell over and it <laughs> smothered the bird. Oh no. So they got to eat it for dinner. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's a raw deal for the bird, but right. if it hadn't been scared in the first place. But hey, waste not, want not. <laughs> As you might imagine, certain people were not fans of all this lewd behavior and were very vocal about it in the publications of the time in mm. an attempt to get them out of the picture and ladies back in their place. 
their place being at home beside the stove and on fire. Oh. <laughs> I'm starting to see both sides of this wacko fashion trend and why it would have been appealing. Mm-hmm. Not to mention that historically, ladies have been completely screwed over in the pockets department. Ugh. Only a quarter of my pants even have pockets. Damn the, the patriarchy. <laughs> they I took it. my pockets. <laughs> do are so small that I suspect the designers think I'm still carrying a pocket watch. Like, mm. What am I going to fit in there? It's ridiculous. Are they big enough for condoms? That's all you need. Oh, that's what they're for. <laughs> it all makes sense now. That's the only thing a woman ever needs. <laughs> not to start carrying around a bunch of condoms because that's the only thing that'll fit in my pocket. Oh, we're good for. <sighs> Men want to know why as ladies carry around purses big enough to hide a small child. It's because we can't find a pocket on our clothing bigger than a lipstick tube to save our lives yeah remember that men wearing women's jeans trend and how short-lived <laughs> that was it was nowhere to put your keys yeah. now you know our pain <laughs> where do people expect us to keep all our tampons and maxi pads and other secret gross and magical lady supplies like car keys what i don't have any of that stuff <laughs> i can't even drive a car my husband won't let me <laughs> By the stove and catch fire already. Yes, sir. <sighs> I'm tempted to get a cage crinoline just so I have somewhere to put stuff that doesn't throw out my shoulder. But I guess in light of this additional information, I can understand why women of the time were enamored with these things. They were literally willing to risk death, to stop being weighed down, to take up public space, mm. to find out if their man was good in the sack before getting tied down, <laughs> and to smuggle a little meat here and there. <laughs> Who doesn't want all of that? Sold. So, okay, there's a point where they don't know, right, that radium is toxic, or they don't know that cyanide is bad for you, or... Whatever it is, but there comes a point where it starts to, like, hit the funny pages and people are talking about it and drawing skeletons waltzing in gowns and things like that. So at that point, people know, and at that point, a lot of people stop whatever it is, but some people don't. Mm-hmm. How is that a thing? Well, sometimes it's the companies trying to make the money, like, as best as manufacturers don't want you to know that asbestos is carcinogenic and right carcinogenic and you know tobacco big tobacco doesn't want you to know mm. that their product causes cancer mm -hmm. i mean i'm really wary i don't go through the um the scanners at the airport because mm. i'm just like they're too new i'm that paranoid too <laughs> are you really <laughs> yes i think a lot of people think i'm insane because i'm the only one i mean we both will oh, yeah we'll bypass them yeah, I'll wait there for like 20 minutes for somebody to feel me up rather than go through that crazy thing. Oh, yeah. No, I don't trust that for nothing. Yeah. Better to go out with a bang like a celluloid billiard ball mm. than to waste away. Click, clack, boom. Like someone touching arsenic wallpaper. Mm -hmm. I think I mentioned Brene Brown last time, but I can't remember if it was in her Ooh. books. Uh, she's a sociologist, and she's done a lot of research on a lot of interesting things. One of her books was about shame. Hmm. I can't remember if it was her or somewhere else, but there's this idea that being a social outcast from a group that you want to be part of, hmm. being shunned by them, 
-hmm. is more painful mentally than the fear of experiencing physical pain. Right. Basically, we'll do anything that we can to avoid being the odd person out. Mm -hmm. Even if that means putting ourselves in mortal danger by wearing and fiery hoops of death. Aww. So be nice to each other. Just don't be a bully. God. Don't be a mean girl. Like Just invite that person over so they don't set themselves on fire. Yeah. She's trying real hard. She's not that weird or or normal or whatever it is that whatever the reason is you're ostracizing them. You might find out you have a lot in common. I'm not assuming that you're ostracizing anyone. You're a good person. I didn't mean to judge you. Wow. And there goes half our audience <laughs> of four. Two people just walked right out of this podcast. I'm trying to save lives over here. It's for the greater good. People are setting themselves on fire. We covered a lot of violent, graphic, and disgusting fashion trends. Indeed. If you're still here with us, you are f***ing weird. Yeah, I mean, I think if it, if you're still here with us at this point, you're in it for the long haul. Hi, friend! Hey, buddy! <laughs> so good to see you. And that's a wrap! Love us or hate us. <laughs> Send Faye all the hate mail. Send me all your hate mail. <laughs> uh, or, you know, feel ambivalent. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Spread your wings, fly, dream your big dreams. <laughs> I'm going to build a little house out of hate mail. Um, waterproof it and then like try to get insurance coverage, which will be a real bitch because that's flammable. Speaking of flammable. I'll just coat it in toxic chemicals that are non-flammable. Wait, you're so old school. So you're literally thinking about printing out the emails of the hate mail. Oh, yeah. How else would you build a house out of them? Because we don't have no P.O. box. Ain't nobody sending us letters. <laughs> I have a printer. We love you. Send us hate mail. You're the best. Send Faye hate mail. Bye. If you like us, if we haven't traumatized you yet, if you want more of our bizarre dad joke brand of whatever this is, then help us help you get more of what you want by giving us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. And tell your friends. If they're as weird as you are, they might like us too. If you want to join our Facebook group to find other weirdos like you, or follow our Facebook page or Instagram, we're on all of those at Death Party Podcast. And we're on Twitter at Death Party Pod, just to be difficult. If you want to email us your amazing idea for an episode, love letters, hate mail, fan art, or your soul, you're not really using it anyway, you can send those to us at deathpartypodcast at gmail.com. Bye! Bye! already we're only two episodes deep come for the horrifying death facts and gore <laughs> stay for even more horrifying death facts and more gore stay for the nightmares